gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. I am G2 and I would like to ask, how are you today? Today's episode is 141. I hope everybody had a great week. If you didn't, I hope this next week or this following week that we're about to enter in will bring you good luck and bring you favor. Um, Before I get into the news topics today, I would like to read off the National Food Days of the Week. Today being September the 10th, it is Hot Dog Day. Tomorrow, September the 11th, it is Hot Cross Bun Day. September 12th, it will be Chocolate Milkshake Day. September 13th, Chocolate Day, as well as Peanut Day. September 14th, Cream-Filled Donut Day. September 15th, we are jam-packed with National Cheese Toast Day, Linguini Day, Creme de Menthe Day, as well as Double Cheeseburger Day. And to round it off, it is September 16th. Guacamole Day, as well as Cinnamon Raisin Bread Day. Now, sticking with the food topic here, I do want to say I am sorry for the mother that lost her uh, 14-year-old boy over the One Chip Challenge over in Massachusetts. Um, That happened this week. Pocky, the makers of the extremely spicy uh, tortilla chips, the One Chip Challenge people, um, they're trying to pull their latest flavor off the market at least I do know that um I would like to say I don't know I don't get the idea of why someone would want to eat a chip that is so hot that it gives you all the warnings on these boxes what makes people want to do it people might want to do it to a degree because they see people on social media doing it it's a viral thing that people want to do it's almost like the cinnamon challenge I did that before um, some other challenges. I mean, the cinnamon challenge I've only done. Any type of other food challenge I've never ever done before. Um, but I get how certain people might want to do this. But whenever you have warnings on a chip, whenever you have a warning inside of the chip box, and they give you like gloves to even wear so you can just handle that chip properly, that should give you warning after warning, red flag after red flag that you shouldn't try this chip. But people are still doing this. And again, I feel sorry for the mother that lost her 14-year-old boy because he ate the chip and he didn't feel good and he ended up passing out at home and he ends up dying at the hospital later that day. I mean, that's that's not a good thing. That's not a good feeling. And I, and I do feel sorry for uh, a mother that lost her son for that. And this should be a warning to anyone. If you have to take care of something so hot that it gives you gloves that you can't touch your eyeballs, you can't touch your face, and that you're going to start having some like things going on with you, which you don't know, but they always give you that warning on the packaging, you probably shouldn't eat that. And I'm glad that Pocky is stepping in to kind of pull their chips off of the shelves. I mean, I get it. I think some of these things need to be in like some bars where people have to be of an age if they actually do want to do it. They know the risk. They are of legal behavior, legal uh, mindset to actually buy these things and just consume said products. So we're going to have to wait and see if this chip will make its way back. I feel it's going to make its way back because this is the first death that I know of and that has really popped out of 
like into the limelight about this person uh, dying from the said chip. But we'll wait and see. Again, I'm glad this company is taking action to remove it. Hopefully, they'll make some tweaks and some adjustments. Yes, you can put out a hot chip that people would still do virally, but I think when it comes to a point that people can literally die off of it, like, I right, we got to hold back and try to de-hotify uh, it and make it at least of some substance. But I'm glad Pocky is doing this. But again, uh, I feel sorry for the 14-year-old mother. And continuing on with the... I've given my thoughts and condolences to people in Morocco. Um, they experienced a powerful earthquake Friday that killed more than 1,000 people. And that's crazy. They said that the magnitude of the earthquake was 6.8 quake, the biggest to hit the northern Africa country in 120 years. It sent people flying, well, fleeing their homes in terror and disbelief late Friday. One man said the dishes and wall hangings began falling down and people were knocked off their feet. As this comes from the Associated Press, this, I didn't know anything about this until it popped up like on my computer, like in my uh, notification situation. And at first it said like 280 some people, but then when you refresh it as more people are starting to be pulled out of places and they're still looking to find more people Right now, it's in the thousands that people were killed by this earthquake. And again, my hearts and prayers go out to the people in Morocco. This is uh, terrible. And this should let people know that the world is changing because going off of that, we have another hurricane that's making its way in the uh, Atlantic Ocean right now, Hurricane Lee. And they're saying that this uh, new hurricane is rewriting old rules at least of the meteorology uh, levels, leaving experts astonished at how rapidly it grew into a Goliath Category 5 hurricane. Um, hurricanes are getting stronger at higher latitudes, said Marshall Shepard, director of the University of Georgia's Atmospheric Sciences Program. If that trend continues, that brings into play places like Washington, D.C., New York, and Boston. He's saying that uh, a hurricane this big can start affecting those areas where I believe they don't get hurricanes. So again, the world is changing. Hurricanes are popping up out of left and right field, just hitting everywhere. Earthquakes now hitting different places. I mean, the world is literally changing at a rapid pace. I hope everybody's getting themselves together, at least start to see and survey the land and let's see what's going on. You got the strikes, you got uh, the weather changing itself up. I mean, everything is changing before our very eyes. Some people are cognizant of it. Some people are not. I hope that you guys become aware of this before it is too late. That's all I can basically say in the time coming, because as we go into the future, more things will uh, unveil itself. And again, I'll bring it up to you guys here and we'll uh, discuss what's going to happen in the future. But right now, I hope everybody's getting themselves together and at least surveying the land. Now, with that out of the way, let's get on to the first thing I want to talk about in this update on the Takaya Young situation. Takaya Young, if you did not listen to my last week's episode, I talked about Takaya Young. She is a black pregnant woman who was fatally shot by police in a grocery store parking lot. Um, body camera footage from the police cams were available last week, and it shows the police officers talking to Takaya Young, telling her to get out of her vehicle because... They were called because someone in the store says that Takaya Young was stealing. And Takaya Young didn't want to get out of her vehicle. One of the officers 
happened to shoot her because she started to move her, uh, run her car and start driving away. But the officer was in front of the vehicle, so he shot her. And he said that her, his uh, life was in danger at that moment. And I would say I will come back whenever more evidence is starting to come out. And here I am. As it was presented by the Associated Press, they would say that additional security camera footage uh, was made available on Friday. And it shows Takaya Young and two other women walking around the liquor department of the Columbus area store. Young can be seen putting multiple bottles of alcohol in her purse and a tote bag while straight out of sight of the cash register. She and two other women then leave without paying. Now, the Young's family attorney, Sean Walton, would tell the Associated Press on Friday that while the witness that he talked to last week that said that uh, Takaya Young put the bottles down before leaving the store, the witness ended up being mistaken. It did not change the fact that Young was killed for an alleged minor offense. I see nothing but more evidence that a murder occurred more evidence of the policy violations that occurred, and more reason why this officer should be terminated and indicted for murder. Now, having said that, I do want to make this perfectly clear. I still stand on the fact that, yo, they could have easily found out if she did steal by going into the store, looking at their uh, video camera, and knowing that she stole, instead of trying to tap her out of her freaking car with two officers, one having his hand on the gun, and showing it to her, I still stand that one of them still should have went in while the other one tried to talk to uh, Takaya Young. I still stand on that fact, but now with it being technically confirmed by footage that she did steal, I can see why police officers were called. And um, I hate to play this type of game, but if she did not steal, we wouldn't be in this situation. It does not erase the fact that a police officer shot her and again, huh, one officer could have been out there talking to her while she was in her car while the other one goes inside and look at the video camera footage. I still stand on that, but we would not be in this situation right now if she did not steal. That's where I stand on this fact. It is a shame that a black pregnant woman had to die because of stealing out of a store. It's sad because that happened. Not going to lie. Not going to try to sugarcoat it. It is what it is. I just wish that one, she never stole out of the store. That's one. But two, we could have at least had an officer talk to her while the other officer go inside. And if she still wanted to try to drive away, they could have just popped her freaking tires. Shoot the tires. You don't always have to shoot for the victim inside of the car shoot the tires. I wish they have a training situation where cops be able to do that. That's another thing I wish they would have done because what can a pregnant person do as a driver if you're having to shoot the tires? I'm pretty sure she does not have a gun inside of the car and was ready to bust back at the police officers. I would put about 50 bucks on that. I don't think that would have happened. I just think that she just probably would have crashed into the uh, store side and just be left with a couple minor bruises and bumps, and then she just would have been arrested for trying to uh, flee the scene. But now she's dead, and the officers have to go through this. Now, with this being in Ohio, they still have to investigate this. They're still going to do more investigation and see if they're actually going to charge the officer that actually shot Takaya Young. So, with that investigation still going on, more information going to come out, and once it does, I'll bring it back to you on this pod and talk about it. 
Now, moving away from that, there was a thing that I talked about this week on my midweek breakdown. And I talked about the black woman getting hit in the side of the head with a brick and how the social media got to it and how they felt about it and how people were getting at black men for not uh, standing up for her because in her video, she said that black men were around and they saw the dude pop her in the face with a brick and they did nothing. Now, people were getting at black men for never ever standing up for uh, women, black women in particular, and how somebody should have got in and been the middle person. Now, I said in that midweek episode how I feel and I see how one would think this way, and I get it, but I can see the opposite end because you don't know how someone was raised, you don't know what someone has seen, you don't know if their friend, family member, or whatever has basically played the middleman or tried to save someone in that particular instant, and you don't know whatever happened to their friend or family member in that instant. You don't know if they got hit, if they got shot, or whatever they might have you. So that may tell you or tell that person not to intervene. Now, what does that have to do with what I'm talking about next? Well, it has a lot to do with it because I'm going to show you why certain black men technically don't get into business that does not have anything to do with them. Because a black woman happened to die in Detroit after she was trying to break up a fight. As this was reported by Fox 2 Detroit, as it would state, Donay Wilbert, the 27-year-old, was shot in the parking lot of Hollywood Coney Island on Detroit's west side earlier Sunday morning. The shooting happened after she tried to break up a fight. Now, in this article, they would get some reactions from the mother who, I feel, got some secondhand information brought back to her. So, during the article, you'll hear about the mom talking and filling in what she believes happened or what she was told that happened. Um, Wilbert had a fun night out with her girlfriends in the hours before she was killed. After the rovery had died down, they went to get a bite to eat when an argument developed between two men and a woman near Wilbert's friends, sources told Fox 2. Kemp said her daughter just wanted everybody to go home. I'm very sure in my thoughts that she wanted to get home, Kemp who was the mother of Wilbert, would say. I guess the guy followed her out and she was able to get herself out of the restaurant and she was shot in the parking lot. Now, after me saying this, I do want to reiterate, there is no other information that has come out about this. There has been no other information about what the two men were arguing about or what the woman was arguing about or anything with this argument. The only thing that's come out right now is that Miss Wilbert tried to intervene, stop the fighting, and she ends up dying for it. Now, that is heartbreaking. It's always heartbreaking whenever someone dies trying to do the right thing, especially whenever you're in an establishment and you just want to just have a chilled-out night with your people and you're not there for the mess. And you think that, okay, you're a peacemaker. You can go in there and separate this crap before it gets outrageous, and then you end up dying for it when it has nothing to do with you. It's insane. Now, that is the reason why certain black men don't get into situations. Hell, certain people in general don't get into situations. And I say that, and I put black men in that because of the fact that we're going to have people that will see this story because it might hit people's range, it might not, and people will say, well, look at this, a black woman was able to step in and another black man couldn't. This is a reason why. And people might say, well, if another black man would have stepped in, he probably wouldn't have gotten shot. 
Yeah, he probably would, because the person that is aiming to kill someone, they don't care if you're a man, female, black, white, Hispanic, they don't care who you are. As long as you're not a cop, they're not willing to do anything wild and reckless to a cop. Let me make that perfectly clear. If a cop steps in, they ain't going to do nothing. They ain't going to whip out their gun and try to shoot a cop right in there. Now, you got some nutcases that might, but other people, they're not going to do so. And I think this person was not a nutcase who shot the woman, I just think this was a complete jackass that shot the woman. Let's just be blatantly clear here. But driving the point home, this is another reason why certain people don't get into situations because you don't know what somebody is capable of doing. I feel sad that Donna Wilbert is dead. I feel sad that she stepped in when people were arguing. I feel sad that she was just trying to do the right thing and just be the person that she knows she was. I feel sad that all that went in vain because of a jackass shooting her. I wish people would come out and say what happened. I wish right now somebody would say, hey, oh, here's the person, here's what we know about him. Police are at least trying to find this person, arrest this person. I don't know any of this situation because no other news has come out about it. But this is another reason, as I said, why I see both sides of the coins for why someone doesn't intervene. Now, it's all great and dandy when someone intervenes and everything gets solved. But whenever someone doesn't want to intervene, it's probably because of reasons like this. Because you don't know if you're going to end up living or not. Because you don't know what type of person you're going to be dealing with whenever you intervene in a situation. So again, I feel sorry for Miss Donna Wilbert. I'm not trying to put this back on the focus of Black man this, black man that. I'm just saying as a general rule for everyone, if you're going to break up a situation, know what could happen if you do break up a situation. That's all I'm trying to say. Now, take that for what you will. I will break up a situation if I feel it's the right moment for me to do so. If I see an injustice going down, I'm going to break up a situation after I evaluate it. That's just how I get down. That's me. People got to do what they're going to do for their own selves. Again, I'm just laying out situations that happen. And I'm letting you, as the people, decide what you're going to do and how you feel about certain instances. Now, moving on to the next topic. As this comes from NBC Boston, there is a report of new details and alleged hate-fueled attempt drowning in Cape Cod. A pair of youths were seen pushing another into the water up Cape Cod Pond in July, according to court documents, in an attempt murder case being brought against one of the children. John Sharon, 14, has been indicted by a grand jury on charges of attempted murder and assault with a dangerous weapon over the July 19th incident at Goose Pond in Massachusetts. Authorities have said the incident was racially motivated. The alleged victim, who is black, told investigators that the other child laughed and called him George Floyd as Sharon reportedly dunked him into the water even though the alleged victim said he couldn't swim and needed to wear a life jacket, according to the court documents. Sharon and the other child are both white, authorities have said. Two witnesses, other youths, who were at the pond, told investigators they saw Sharon on top the victim in the water. One said they heard someone say George Floyd, as well as according to statements they gave to police that were obtained by NBC10 Boston. Sharon was indicted by a Barnstable County jury, grand jury, on Wednesday and ordered held without bail. After a dangerousness hearing the next day, he was placed in custody of the Department of Youth Services and is due back in court September the 13th. 
ABC 10 Boston has reached out to Sharon's lawyer for comment. The lawyer told the Boston Globe on Friday that the charges are over the top for what amounted to horseplaying that got out of control. He said he was appealing to the Superior Court that Sharon be released. All the people involved are juveniles, as are the witnesses and all, but Sharon had their names redacted from the report. Sharon's name was not redacted as he is being tried as a youthful offender, a designation that gives Massachusetts prosecutors discretion for seeking an adult sentence for children between the ages of 14 and 17 who are charged with a felony when other criteria are met, including a charge that involves the infliction or threat of serious bodily harm. Now, the details about the incident that happened at Goose Pond would come from an investigator's affidavit. In a document provided to the police, the alleged victim described what happened at the pond, describing a series of escalating incidents involving stone throwing, racial slurs like boy use intentionally, and Sharon trying to pull him under the water four or five times. When with water in his mouth and nose, the alleged victim said he couldn't breathe, the other child started laughing and calling me George Floyd, obviously making fun of me and showing no remorse, he wrote. Eventually, the alleged victim called for help and was brought to shore by someone who intervened according to this account. That youth eventually provided a statement to police saying he heard the alleged victim ask Sharon to please not splash or push him because of his inability to swim and that he saw Sharon and other youth pushing his head underwater while the child was screaming for help, prompting him to swim over and yell at the two attackers to stop. When I finally get to them, they were smirking, that youth wrote. Another youth who was there wrote in a statement to police that someone called her into the water to listen to what they're saying. I couldn't make out the words, but I eventually saw them on top of him holding him underwater. I don't know who said it, but I recall one of them saying George Floyd. After the alleged victim was brought out of the water, she asked him if he was okay, to which he responded. She told police he doesn't know how to swim and they purposefully called him down to the pond. Okay, so that's where we're at here with this situation. I don't like it. I think nobody likes it. I don't think no parents like this. And this is still racism at its finest. And this is Massachusetts. I've heard Massachusetts is like a racist state. They always say like Boston is like racist. I don't know. I'm not from that place. I'm not I'm not familiar with people from there, to be honest with you. I've heard of Boston being racist, Massachusetts being racist. I've heard of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania situation being racist. I've heard of a lot of places up in there in the North being racist. And it's funny, you would think the North shouldn't be racist and the South should be. But my time here in the South, I've only heard like a little bit of people trying to be racist. Not a lot, as you would think, if you're coming from the North to the South. So it's just funny how things kind of, things kind of are, if you get my drift. Um, I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy that a boy who was quote unquote friends and boy, that's why I love <laughs> learning things whenever you're older. I was taught by my mother that you have no friends. You only have associates. And as I get older and older and I see the youth becoming more damned, I can see why my mother instilled that and say, you only have associates. Yes, no friends, only associates. Associates are people that you're easily be able to deal with and you can cut off and it'll be a-okay. Friends are like brotherhoods and bounds with people. I think if I'm really honest, I only have a 
couple of friends that I can at least say if I actually talk to them now and I haven't speak to these people in some time. And it's just because, well, we all drifted off in our own separate ways. I think if we got back with each other and communicated, we'll be literally just be able to pick up right where we left off before. And I think a lot of people have that. I think a lot of people only have a little bit of friends, like true, true friends and a lot of associates and people are just afraid to call people associates. Anyway, back to this. Um, these two dudes that did this to this black boy, they were not friends. They were not even associates. These were just wolves hiding under sheep clothing. Because how in the hell do you do that to a person that you are cool with? You're not. You don't do that to someone that you're cool with. At the age of 14, you know right from wrong. You're starting to already like whoever you like of your sexual orientation. You're already starting to feel a type of way. You're starting to uh, mature in a way. So you're already starting that. You're already starting the development process if you're a guy. And certain guys, they become uh more angry certain dudes do this and that but i don't think maturity or none of that none of that type of stuff has anything to do with this i just think that this was some kid's plan because you're not just out of the blue just thinking to yourself yeah we're gonna drown him here no we're gonna throw rocks at him here just like a improvised thing no that's some planning because you have to take somebody and tell them hey go to the pond here and this is why ooh, i'm about to go off on a lot of tangents here there's been too many situations where black kids, black teens go to places with their white counterparts and somehow, some way, that black teen or black kid ends up dying and everything gets called into just a mysterious thing. There was a black boy that got uh, killed in the gym and he was rolled up in the mat and they said that somehow he fell into the mat and rolled himself up which is a whole crock of garbage and that's stupid there was the black girl who went and had a sleepover with number white counterparts and the black girl ends up dying now we have this and there's probably been countless of others but those two just jump out at me when i read this story and i thought this is ridiculous thankfully the black kid did not die but this was planned out. This kid did try to attempt murder by drowning him. Now, they did say the other kid did laugh and call him George Floyd. So he is a part of that. And he tried to also drown him as it is coming from these witness statements. I'm just saying, dude, this is all wrong. And still racism still exists to this day. It's weird. It's nasty. It's disgusting. I still don't know how it is around, but. We're going to have to wait and see when more information comes out about this. I did not know nothing about this until I went scrolling and then I saw it. I was like, I'm surprised how this hasn't reached the media's radar. It's only been online, not the actual media on TV. Hopefully, when the trial dates and everything start really popping up, we'll hear and see more of it on TV. But I think this needs to be a sign that parents need to talk to their kids about being invited to places where you're like the only minority. That's what I'm trying to say with this, because that's what happened here. He got invited by his two of his Caucasian quote unquote friends that were sheep that were not sheep. They were wolf in sheep clothing and something tragic could have happened if people did not come around to actually save this black kid. So again, Parents, talk to your kids, let them know, hey, yo, you're not going nowhere if you're the only minority. Have your kid ask who's all going to be there. These 
fundamental questions and have them run those things by you to say if you can or cannot go. And certain people might say, well, the kid's going to lie anyway. Well, then guess what? It's up to you as a parent to decide if your kid can go with your permission, with you being there, or I would say no. That's the way I'm going to view things whenever uh, my kid runs up to me and asks me, can they go somewhere? I'm going to ask one who's going to be there. What's their nationality? What's their uh, ethnicity? And I don't care how people feel. That's just the way it is. Because I live in reality. We live in the real world. You can't live in a make-believe world when you're dealing with kids. Because once your kid dies because of something else by somebody else, not by your hands, that's kind of a bad way. And again, I'm saying by your hands because there's that thing that if anybody's going to take you out of this world, I'm going to take you out because I brought you into this world. Nobody else has the uh, right to take you out of this world except me. Parents usually say that to their kids. If you know the saying, you know what I'm talking about here. And I'm not saying for parents to actually do it. It's just a saying. Let me just make that perfectly clear as well, too. But you get my point. Jesus Christ. It sounds like I, I'm trying to make sure I don't get killed out here. But ugh. point being, parents need to talk to their kids. Parents need to make sure that, A, who's going to be there, what's going to happen, this and that. And parents need to straight up just be more no. Or I'm going to be there, so nothing's going to happen to you. And if your kid throws a fit, guess what? They were never ever meant to go, and something was probably going to happen. you got to be the parent with this type of situation. You can't be a buddy. You can't be any of that. You have to be a parent because that's your kid. That's all i got to say with this. When more information comes out about this uh, Cape Cod situation, I will come back and give out more information. But again, this is my first time seeing something like this or reading something like this. And hopefully, more of the mass media We'll talk about it on their television sets. Now, going on to the next topic here, as it's come from Insider, as the topic we read, Wisconsin Sawmill has agreed to stop hiring children after a 16-year-old has died on the job. A Wisconsin saw operator has said it will stop employing children after the devastating loss of a teenager who died on the job this summer. That pledge came after the U.S. Department of Labor accused the company of risking kids' lives for profit. In July, 16-year-old Michael Schultz died of traumatic asphyxia, according to the local coroner's office, two days after he became trapped on a conveyor for freshly cut stacks of lumber while working at Florence Hardwoods, the Green Bay Press-Gazette reported. His funeral was attended by hundreds of people, according to a GoFundMe that was set up to support his family. A report from the Florence County Sheriff's Office obtained by the Press-Gazette said Schultz had been left alone on the job and was seen on video trying to straighten out the wood on the conveyor where he became trapped. He was discovered 17 minutes later. In a statement on Thursday, the top lawyer at a U.S. Department of Labor accused school's employer of negligence. Under federal law, no one under the age of 18 is supposed to be employed in a hazardous occupation, which the department explicitly defines to include sawmills. Florence Hardwoods risked the life of a child by allowing him to operate dangerous equipment in violation of federal child labor laws, and now family, friends, and co-workers are left to grieve. The statement came following a federal investigation into Florence Hardwoods that found that another three children between the ages of 15 and 16 had been injured on the job since November 2021. The company also employed nine children, some as young as 14, to illegally operate machinery, including saws for processing lumber. As part of a September 6th consent order and judgment against the company, 
Florence Hardwoods, has agreed to stop hiring anyone under the age of 18, having already fired those still working in there in the immediate aftermath of Scholl's death. The company employs just over 60 people, according to its website. The company has also agreed to pay 190696 in civil fines. Now, having read that report, I do want to say this. I did not know children, teens, however you want to say this, were able to be employed by sawmills. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was around, like, happening. But a place like Wisconsin, I can see that being the case because what's there in Wisconsin except for, like, cheese and milk? That's, like, their thing. But this is uh, sad. It's depressing. 16-year-old dies because in the summer, just trying to make money more than anything else. But come on, dude. Dying like this, that's bad. Asphyxia, that's... I believe asphyxia is you being trapped in somewhere. So my man was trapped nothing by lumber, so his breath was going out slowly, slowly, faded and fading away. That's trash, dude. That is horrible. Like, imagine you being stuck in between lumber. You being stuck between anything. Your body will start trying to race just for you to get out. And he couldn't get out. He was found 17 minutes later. No. His body was already done. He was done. That's depressing. And... Again, I did not know companies were actually able to hire uh, teenagers to work these type of, like, jobs. Apparently, you're not supposed to, but jobs do it anyway on the low. But hopefully this will uh, hit other companies to let them know not to do this, because this was uh, sad and depressing, to be completely honest. And I'm sorry that uh, Michael Scholes uh, died at the age of 16. Such a young young like age and you know the old adage whenever someone was 16 or even 14 15 some people might say go get a job a summer job so you can add this onto your resume for whenever you enter college or certain people might not go to college but you have this on your resume so that you be already proving something to your employer or at least the person that you're trying to work for so for this kid to die on a summer job, that's trash. That is horrible. But hopefully big corporations, dangerous big corporations, uh, learn from this. And hopefully nobody else dies from this. Nobody else has to die from this, whether you're 16 or older. Asphyxia is just trash. But for him to be 16, it just makes it much more devastating. So with that, recipes to Michael Scholes. And I hope that everybody that was associated with Michael Scholes, whether it be family, friends, or associates. I hope you guys are able to find some peace in due time, because right now it's still hard on you because you lost someone that you uh, care about deeply. But again, I hope you guys are able to find some solace soon. Now with that, we'll go on to our next topic, which is coming from Fort Worth Star-Telegram, as the article would be titled, Substitute teacher at North Texas High School accused of sexual conduct with three students. A former employee of Sam Houston High School has been arrested by Arlington police following a thorough investigation into allegations he had improper relations with multiple students. Detectives with the Arlington Police Department's Crimes Against Children unit obtained arrest warrants for Anthony Hawkins, 25, on three counts of improper relationship between student and educator and two counts of indecency with a child 
slash sexual conduct, police said in a news release Wednesday. Detectives have identified three victims, police said. Hawkins was taken into custody on Tuesday and booked into the Arlington City Jail. A school district spokesperson said Hawkins has worked as a substitute teacher. Police said the department will be limited in the information it can share because of the nature of the investigation and of the victims. Detectives began their investigation on August 23rd after Arlington ISD school administrators became aware of the allegations and reported them to the police. They will say in a statement that Hawkins was a long-term substitute teacher in the district. We immediately notified the Arlington Police Department to investigate when we learned of the allegation. The school district statement said Arlington ISD officials questioned the substitute teacher and reported the matter to the Texas Education Agency. The substitute teacher resigned from the district on August 23rd. And I just, before I say anything else, I do want you guys to be known of this as well. A former California basketball coach sentenced to 150 years for sexual assault of four girls. A former Southern California basketball coach was sentenced to 150 years in prison Wednesday in the sexual assaults of four girls he coached more than a decade ago. Carlos Francisco Juarez, 48, was convicted of 10 felony counts in July for assaults that occurred from 2005 to 2010. Orange County District Attorney said in a statement the girls' range were 11 to 17-year-olds at the time of the assaults. This coach was in a position of trust and authority over these young girls, and he took advantage of them. Youth sports should be a safe environment where neither parents nor athletes should have to worry about children being targeted by a sexual predator. The attorney would commend the four women who came forward praising their bravery for helping put another child molester in prison. The youngest victim was taking private lessons from Juarez at a gym in 2005 when he made her practice topless. The prosecutor's office said she also testified that he handed her an envelope of money after he sexually assaulted her. Juarez subjected a different 13-year-old to repeated sexual abuse for four years after he moved into her home. The district attorney's office said Juarez forced a different 13-year-old basketball player to perform sex act on him in exchange for a promise of becoming a starter. The fourth victim was 14 years old and taking basketball lessons from Juarez in 2008 when he also assaulted her. Juarez was found guilty on seven federal counts of lewd acts upon a child and two felony counts, each of oral compilation of a minor under the age of 16 and sexual penetration by a foreign object of a minor. He worked primarily as a club coach, but also worked at a different high schools in the area. Okay, so I put these two together so you guys can understand. We're back in school. A lot of you have kids. Some of you guys don't. Some of your friends or associates might have kids. However the case may be, there are nasty people inside these schoolhouses. And again, I still don't understand how these people are able to be around kids. One did this literally about almost two decades ago. And another one is, well, alleged, because again, he's being accused of this. The North Texas substitute teacher, he's being accused of sexual conduct with three students. Listen, 
this is nasty at its highest fashion. I want people to look out for their children. Look out for whoever you have in these school areas to find out if someone is doing a nasty thing to your kid. Make sure that you're asking your kid all these questions. Make sure that your kid is good. Make sure that nothing is happening to your child because you got a lot of people out here in this world that have no problem trying to touch your kid. You have a lot of people out in this world that have no problem trying to touch your uh, sibling, your younger sibling, or even your older sibling if you're like the middle child. Dude, there's a lot of nasty people out here and Seeing these two topics pop up this week while I was searching the internet, I thought, okay, what better time than to talk about now? Because you got a lot of kids that are practicing in certain areas, whether it be uh, football and certain people might be going off to basketball tryouts now because basketball season ain't that far away neither. So please be careful. Please be aware of who your kid is around. And also, when ask your kid about the substitutes that are around your uh, kids whenever a teacher's out. Ask them how that teacher is. Because again, ask them is your kid getting close to that substitute? Is that substitute getting close to your kid? Because again, certain things your kid will not want to tell you and you could just kind of prod them if they don't want to talk to you about it or if they're too quick about it. Because this is nasty. Again, this one in North Texas is only accused. So right now we have to use alleged and all this type of vernacular, while the other one in Southern California, he's already been a guilty mug. So I'm just bringing you this information so you guys as parents or siblings can just have these conversations. And also, if you're cool with the schools, bring this information up to your uh, schools that are watching your kids. Ask them have they vetted some substitutes because some substitutes, again, are nasty and they're trash. And certain schools do not vet their uh, substitutes the way that they should because they just need anybody because teachers are not getting paid that well. Certain teachers are, when it's time for them to get sick, they just want someone to cover. And again, a lot of these substitutes, they just get picked out of nowhere. So again, just ask questions to the schools about your substitutes. Ask questions about people just around. That's all I'm just trying to say here. But again, do with the information what you will. Now, moving on to something that I talked about earlier this year is, again, more updating information here. As it's come from the Associated Press, prosecutors asked the judge to revoke bond of mother of the Virginia boy who shot his first grade teacher. Prosecutors have asked a federal judge to revoke the bond of the mother after she allegedly failed multiple drug tests while awaiting sentencing on two felony charges. Deja Taylor pleaded guilty in June to having a gun while possessing marijuana and to lying on a federal background check form when she purchased a 9mm her son used to shoot his teacher. Now, as the article would continue, Taylor was released on bond pending sentencing on the condition that she refrained from unlawful drug use and possession. In a motion filed in the U.S. District Court last week, prosecutors said Taylor tested positive for marijuana and cocaine use failed to show up for two drug screenings and missed two scheduled drug treatment sessions. These violations are serious and call into question the defendant's danger to the community, respect for the law, and this court's orders, and gives the United States no faith that the defendant will abide by the terms of her court supervision since her court conduct is repeated and not merely one mistake. Assistant U.S. Attorney Lisa McKee and Peter 
Oshif wrote, James Ellison, one of Taylor's lawyers, told the Virginia pilot that he will ask the U.S. District Judge not to provoke her bond. Like so many Americans, my client has serious substance abuse issues that are exacerbated by mental health issues. We will ask for compassion and understanding at this time. As always, we express a continued speedy recovery to the teacher, Ellison told the Associated Press in an emailed statement. So right now, no date has been scheduled. Sentencing is scheduled for October 18th. As part of a plea agreement, prosecutors agreed to ask for a sentence of 18 months to 24 months in prison. Okay, cool. Well, I did not know any of this until this popped up on my radar. Again, I did say that whenever more information comes out about that situation, because I wanted to know what was going to happen to the mom. I said something was probably going to happen to the mom since you can't get a six-year-old boy for shooting his teacher. So now we're finding out. So we have to wait and see what happens on October 18th for sentencing for that. Uh, Taylor did plead guilty last month to a separate state uh, charge of felony child neglect. In that case, prosecutors agreed to ask for a sentence that falls within state guidelines, which is expected to be no more than six months. Prosecutors agreed to drop a misdemeanor charge of reckless storage of a firearm. Sentencing is scheduled for October 27th. So she has two sentencing set up right there. And they're kind of within like a week apart. So she'll find out her faith all within October. So again, once those are read out, I'll bring it back here and I'll let you guys know what's happening there. But again, I wanted to keep you guys updated to that. And still at this point, the teacher, Abigail Warner, is suing the school system for $40 million, accusing school administrators of gross negligence and of ignoring multiple warnings the day of the shooting that the boy had a gun at the school. Right now, there's still no type of news brought back on that incident. No type of nothing. And hopefully, we'll get some information about that because I want to know if this teacher is going to get $40 million. I don't think she's going to get $40 million. She probably might get $5 million, $10 million, maybe $40. That's a lot. But we'll just have to wait and see how uh, the judge and or a court system will rule in that favor. But when more information comes out about both of these incidents, I will bring it back here and let you guys know, because as I stated before, when I talked about it, I am truly invested in this one because this is weird. A six year old, again, pulling a gun out, shooting a teacher, big weird. A mother, which I knew the mom was probably going to get some type of feedback and heat for that. This is happening. We're going to have to wait and see what happens to her. But again, the teacher getting or asking for 40 million. I don't think it's going to happen, but again, we will see. Next up on the docket, Las Vegas casino employee accused of stealing $776,000 from resort property. A management employee at Aria Hotel on the Las Vegas Strip is facing 15 charges after allegedly stealing more than $770,000 by creating fraudulent hotel reservation refunds that were put on his credit card. Brandon Rashad Johnson, 38, a hotel operations manager since 2013 for the MGM Resorts International property, used the stolen funds to live a lavish lifestyle, which included shopping at Louis Vuitton and Versace, flying on private jets, doing spa visits, going to shows, and even purchasing a home, according to his arrest report. In early July 2023, the report states another hotel manager became suspicious of Johnson due to the expensive items he was purchasing and suspected he might be making fraudulent reservation refunds to his own credit card 
Johnson did have the authority to do refunds, but during an initial audit and investigation that started on July 25th, it was discovered that <laughs> there were 309 refunds done by Johnson to the same Visa credit card number documents showed. The transactions took place over one year period from July 2020, well, July 2022, excuse me, to July 2023 and four days after investigation started. Johnson quit his job with a text message. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department was notified of the alleged theft on July 27th and began an investigation. An ARIA co-worker told police Johnson began giving him gifts and taking him on expensive dates. And when he asked Johnson where he got the money, Johnson told him he was working as a private chef for high-end clients. That co-worker said he became suspicious and began looking into Johnson's work transactions and saw the money was all going to the same credit card number so he notified management the arrest report stated on august 31st a law firm las vegas defense group contacted metro police to report they were representing johnson who surrendered to police on september 1st at the time he invoked his fifth and sixth amendment right the arrest report details the alleged transactions johnson made over the course of a year the first two were in July 2022 and totaled $6,400, but by July 2023, it was up to 37 transactions that month, totaling nearly $110,000. Now, the counts that Johnson is facing, he's facing 15, theft of more than $5,000, but less than $25,000, which is two counts. Nine counts of theft of more than $25,000, but less than $100,000. Two counts of theft of more than $100,000 money laundering slash attempting money laundering unlawful felony act regarding computers and now he's currently being held in clark county detention center and no bail has been set and his uh court date or at least his hearing is set on september the 11th where he must provide the money he would use for bail was not illegally taken money his primarily hearing is scheduled for September the 19th. So we have another one that stole too much money. My guy, you stole all within a year, about a quarter of a million dollars. Dude, come on my bro. The first year you had 6,400. The first, not the first year, excuse me. The first month of July, 2022, 6,400. Then in July, 2023, you more than doubled that. Matter of fact, you almost times that by 20, nearly 120, no, 110,000, excuse me. You racked up from 37 transactions all in July of 2023. Dude, this was reckless at its finest. You were taking people out. You were giving gifts. You were... <laughs> purchasing a home you were just living life up and again i'm not mad if you are able to do so i'm not mad if you're able to get away with it scot-free however you my guy you did not play it right you did not get away with this scot-free as a matter of fact you just completely went completely overboard you got real cocky in july of 2023 i wish they would have really just provided monthly how much you just yanked from this hotel monthly from that July of last year to July of now. I wish they could have just racked it up. Probably in court, they're going to read it off 
from monthly statements because, dude, that's too much, man. I understand taking some money away from a hotel because you're going to say, well, guess what? They don't need it. And you're able to find a way to say they got insurance or whatever the freak hotels got for them never to lose money, money like that. Yes, fine. You get away with it once. You might get away with it twice. Three times, you're becoming a little bit too... You're about to make the block hot if you get my drift. But, dude, 30-some-odd transactions all in July of this year. That's a lot. See? When you give someone just an inch, they'll take a mile, and they end up hanging themselves, and that's what Homeboy did here. So now he's out there left to dry. And I'm not over the fact that his date was the person who ended up ratting him out. Dude, what are you doing? Listen, I understand people asking uh, supposed drug dealers what they do because you see them with all the ice out stuff. You see them on the corner. You see all this type of thing. I get you ask them that, but you're asking a former employee, well, former co-worker or a co-worker at the time, how did they get this money? That just means to tell me that you were, you had a little bit of envy in you because that person was able to roll around in these nice things and you were not. So you were able just to find out how they did it and you were able to crack down on it. Now, people might say that's self-preservation because that person could ruin that person's uh, livelihood and got them fired. That's one way to look at it. I think it's jealousy another way. But again, that's just the way I think about it. Again, there's more than one side to look at certain things. But either way, I think we all can agree. Mr. Johnson here, he got greedy. And now he got to pay the piper for this. So let that be listen to everybody. Don't be greedy. If you can get away with it once, get away with it once. Twice, you might be a little bit pushing it. But if you get away with it twice... Stop it right there, because the block will be hot if you do it a third time. Remember that, the block is hot if you do it a third time. So once is alright, two, iffy, third time, overboard. So, take that for what it was, take that for what it is, I'm just laying out the information to you at your feet, you do with that what you will. Now we're going to take a brief dip into the sports world, and this week was the start of NFL's like actual season. Thursday I didn't get to see the game, but... From what I'm seeing, it's 21-20. The Lions beat the past, well, this previous year's uh, Super Bowl winners, the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, Kansas City's already down 0-1 this season, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to make that up. Um, the football games that will be coming on today will be Bengals versus the Browns, Buccaneers versus the Vikings, Texans versus Ravens, Panthers, Falcons, Cardinals, Commanders, and so more and such. But I do want to make one thing known here. Joe Burrow, it was announced this week that Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have agreed to a five-year, $275 million contract extension. This comes from ESPN's Adam Schefter. He will report this Thursday night. So the $219 million in guarantees make him the highest paid player in the league, according to the report. Remember, we just had... A contract from Lamar Jackson and the Jalen Hurts like signing all-time record like deals and now Joe Burrow he has signed another big contract and 219 million dollars in guarantees dude that's insane that's a lot of money just in general if you decide to not live in these big high towns like a New York or an LA or even a Miami or even in like I would consider Dallas or even Houston like big towns. I'm not certain how the 
finance over there in Texas works, but I know Miami, like uh, Miami, New York, LA, in places in California, like the big hot ticket places that people usually go, the prices for things are up. Cincinnati, I don't think prices are up like that. I don't think it. So if he decides to stay in Cincinnati and he could just basically call to quit after this five years and he's left with 219 million in guarantees, well, you got to think about the taxes he took it out. But still, he'd be left with a big chunk of money. He can easily retire. And I think that some of these football players and sometimes even some of these basketball players in general, with those two sports basically dominating America, also with baseball, because baseball is that sneaky under the sheets or under the light, if you will, because people don't really pay attention to the contracts in MLB. All these players that are playing now and will be coming up in the future, I don't think they have to play long. I think they want to play long so they can win like the championships and everything else. But once people sign these big, high pricey contracts, I don't think they really have to play long. I think they could just play for like till that contract is over and then be done. And they can just easily set out and retire and go off to another part of their career if they want to do so. But with a dangerous sport like a football, I think a lot of these football players need to think about that. I think a lot of these players need to speak with people at least in my personal opinion, because again, if you're like me, you watch football to see who gets tackled, see how someone gets hit, you see the plays go through, that's why I watch football, because I was a lineman, and I loved to hit people, it was one of the best feelings in the world, so I'm just saying, if I was in their predicament, I would be thinking, okay, when does my contract end, okay, let me start putting some money away, because I'm not so sure how those helmets are safe or enough for them to continue on a lengthy career. Again, I'm not wishing any of that on them. I'm just saying with the, as much money as coming in. And you see all these players signing these big massive contracts. I just think that some of them probably going to start thinking about retirement. Because in a long haul, there's only certain NFL players that are actually able to make a name out of their likeness. Because a lot of them, imagine how many players have been in the NFL. And you can list off probably about, I'll say three dozen of actual NFL players that you actually know by name because of who they are and actually their look and star power. So, again, I'm just thinking a lot of these younger cats, because with the newer generation, they get brought up with more information. They might just think about retirement. Again, this is just me throwing it out there, but I wouldn't be surprised if a major star decides to retire because they got so much money in the bank because of just either one or two contracts that they signed. So, again, it's just me throwing it out there. The world is changing, so anything can happen. Just want to keep everybody on their toes for what could happen later down the line. But you know what won't be happening? The Commanders. The Commanders will not be changing their names back to the Washington Redskins. The Commanders managing partner and top limited partner told the media that that ship has sailed. We're not going to relitigate the past. We're about the future. We're about building the future and not having a divisive culture that we're emerged in. We're going to look at everything come the end of the year. And I think about a lot of different things and do a lot of testing and see what people think and we learned the beauty is we have the time to look at all of this stuff intelligently and make fan-based decisions so with them shedding the names of the Redskins in 2020 I did not know this was a big deal I know the name was a big deal because again you look at how the people were changing things in 2020 with everybody being inside the homes and People had a lot of time on their hands to really think about certain things, and things got changed. Aunt Mama got changed. Redskins got changed. Other things got changed. I did not know people wanted it to be changed back to the Redskins. Even people in the Native American community 
I did not know they wanted uh, the commanders to be going back to the Redskins. I thought that they would have been happy with that actually changing because certain people in the Native American community actually did have a problem with that in 2020. So with the commanders not wanting to go back, they're sticking with the name commanders. There you have it. Again, I just brought this up because I just found that interesting, at least in my brain. Now, next up, we go into celebrity news. First thing to talk about, Danny Masterson, former That 70 Show star, was sentenced on Thursday to 30 years in prison for raping two women at his Los Angeles homes in the early 2000s. Danny Masterson chose not to speak during the hearing. He didn't testify in either trial. The judge announced his decision following emotional statements from his victims and verbal dismantled Masterson's defense, according to legal journal Megan Kniff. The actor's attorney said there, they are very disappointed in the sentence and will appeal. Mr. Madison, you are not the victim here. Your actions 20 years ago took away another person's choice and voice. Your actions 20 years ago today were criminal, and that's why you are here, the judge would say in court. The judge would also say you were not convicted on the testimony of one person. You were not convicted based on rumors, windows, gossip, and speculation. You were convicted based on evidence that 12 people in the community found to be credible. You were convicted because each of the victims reported the rapes to someone shortly after the rapes occurred. So with Masterson facing 30 years in prison, uh, the judge did deny the defense's request that Masterson's sentence be served concurrently instead of consecutively, meaning he'd be given a 15-year prison term. Uh, so yeah, Danny Masterson is in jail for 30 years, and I have no problem with that. You know what? If you happen to take away someone's innocence, you got to go. You got to face the piper for that. You got to pay your debt, as they say to society. You got to go. Now, another thing during this case, um, the church of Scientology would be a part of this in a way because um, the women would say that the church of Scientology uh, was covering and they were harassing them. The church of Scientology had to come out. They refuted that. And they say they are being falsely and unfairly attacked by the prosecutors during this trial. Again, I know nothing about this. Only time I know anything about Church of Scientology is that, yo, dog, those are some people that you probably don't want to mess with. I'm not certain how big it is in, what, California or around the world. But those are one of the big peoples that I know that uh, celebrity Leah Remedy is still having problems with them. She's been the most outspoken celebrity I've ever heard of talking about the Church of Scientology, how they are not the right people. Um, she left Scientology in 2023, well, 2013. And uh, as I said, she became one of the most outspoken critics of the Church of Scientology. So again, I don't know what that truly means, what the Church of Scientology teaches you in there. I don't go to their sermons. I don't look at none of that. I'm not too much of a religious-esque person as like going to church. I believe in a higher power and I do talk to that higher power every day. But yeah, this stuff, when it comes down to religion and uh, Scientology, I kind of lead that stuff over to the people that actually dive into that. Only thing I know is, if the Church of Scientology did cover for him, they're nasty, they're nasty individuals. Only people within that, well, religion or whatever that is, would know about it. But time will tell as more and more stuff comes out about the Church of Scientology. There's probably a lot of stuff I'm not going to look into. You guys can do that yourself. But yeah, Danny Madison, 30 years in jail. Hey Amen. You got to do what you got to do. Now, getting off of that serious topic, onto something that I find funny. Uh, Kanye West and his new wife have apparently been uh, banned by a water taxi company in Italy. 
after some videos, well, not videos, let me scratch that, photos of Kanye West came out last week of his pants kind of being below his butt. You got to see his butt crack. And his wife was like in between his legs. So they think that she was performing an intimate act, if you know what I mean. Uh, the water taxi company would say that they are outraged by issuing a lifetime ban prohibiting the couple from setting foot on their vessels in the future. A spokesperson issued a statement to the Daily Mail explaining that they learned of the indecent engagement between the rapper and his wife after images surfaced online. On board, the driver had to keep a lookout for traffic and did not see these obscenities. If this had happened, he would have immediately disembarked and reported the transgressors to those in authority. So what they're trying to say is that you know, if the guy that was actually in control of the boat looking out and he saw them actually doing this, he would have completely just like, Ayo, stopping the boat, brought them over to the police and all that type of stuff. Now, they would say that there was a third person on board the taxi who accompanied Kanye and his wife who obstructed the captain's view to the stern in any case. So basically, they're trying to say like, yo, the third guy was basically the wingman so the couple, Kanye and his uh, newly wife, can do whatever they were going to do or do whatever they were doing. Again, this is all alleged. Nobody knows if Kanye was doing something with his wife or not, but yeah, people just got photos of it and people just got their own ideas of what could have happened. So they got uh, banned from this water taxi. Okay, cool. It appears to me that Italy is like a place that they don't like things like out of place because there was also a report, uh, I believe like last week or two weeks ago about Kanye's wife, like making people upset in Italy because she's wearing like see-through-esque clothing that if you over here in America, if you're over in California or New York or place that's again, a metropolitan place that's highly populated as constantly busy, people wouldn't too uh, worry about what you're wearing like that. And Technically, almost an American culture, unless you get like certain places here in America. A lot of people really don't care about what people are truly wearing anymore. It used to be uptight. Certain places are still uptight, but not a lot of people technically care about what people are wearing like that anymore. But over there in Italy, they didn't like that. They were able to see uh, his wife's nipples and all that type of stuff through her clothing. At least that's what they're alleging. So Italy, even though they are one of the destination that people would say for clothing and all this and all that they don't like people being too uh or people wearing too much see-through clothing unless you're in like a fashion show that's the only way i can see them actually cool with that but just regular casual people i don't think that they're really rocking with that and if you're kanye and you know what kanye wears he wears some of the most outlandish stuff i'll say outlandish for me because my man is out here wearing like kick pads with like some black pants that are like skin tight to a degree. But I mean, he wears some stuff that somehow becomes a trend that people will be jumping onto. So it's just that Kanye's fashion, I don't think in this point fits over there in Italy and people in there in Italy don't fit with Kanye West like fashion culture. So it's a clash of cultures of clothing, just clash with one another. So Kanye in Italy, that's just the thing that popped up. I thought that that was funny. At least for me, you get banned from a freaking water taxi company. All right, cool. He, I'm pretty sure Kanye can go on to another taxi company that's going to take his money, if I'm going to be completely honest. But we'll have to wait and see. Well, I won't. 
it'll pop up again in someone else's radar. Again, I just thought this was funny, at least for me. Now, next up, P. Diddy. He has decided to give uh, music publishing back to Bad Boy record artists. Notorious B.I.G.'s estate, Mace, The Locks, Faith Evans, and more are expected to regain their publishing rights, according to Variety. Sources close to Combs said that the 53-year-old has decided to reassign his Bad Boy publishing rights back to all the Bad Boy artists and writers who helped build the Bad Boy into the powerhouse today. As I stated, Notorious B.I.G.'s estate, Mace, Faith Evans, The Locks, and 112 are among the artists expected to regain their publishing rights, as well as more unnamed parties formerly associated with the label. The unexpected move comes as Diddy has lent his voice and platforms to promote black empowerment within the entertainment industry and other sectors in recent years. So I'm glad he's doing this. And you know, the funny part is um, people have constantly for years in the music industry have been saying that Puff does bad business. Puff holds on to people's rights. Puff holds on to people's catalogs and all that. So hopefully now with him giving back people's publishing rights, I'm hoping that that stigma will be decreased away from Puff because Puff is one of the top people, at least in the music industry for black entertainers, you would want to at least have in your corner because when you have Puff on your corner, you at least could, it's seen that you can do anything. French Montana, he has been in the public eye for some time at one point, then he got drifted back down and he's still making his music and all that. But French, he was with Puff and I do know that. Uh, MGK, MGK got was one of the dudes that Puff took a chance on at one point. I'm not sure if he's still with Puff or not, but again, when you have Puff with you, at least in my instance, and for what I've seen and for what I've, you can look at the roster that he's had, you at least make hits. You at least make money. Now, people might have a, uh, people might have some disputes of what Puff has done in the past with money and how all this and all that. Again, I'm not them. I'm just saying that they would dispute certain things in the past. But now, hopefully, and this is just a hopefully deal, hopefully with Puff giving people their publishing back, people getting their stuff back, people will be able to see that Puff probably just needed that to build the capital, build Bad Boy up so he can go about and do his other ventures. And now, hopefully, that Bad Boy is up and running and Puff is having uh, other business ventures. He doesn't really need people's publishing like that. Yeah, sure. It's great to make money off of them. It's great to have that yearly revenue stream and income the way that all these uh, artists and record companies do. But at the end of the day, I would say that people are getting their publishing back. It's great for them. It's great that people that are getting their publishing back can now make the money. At least a big lump sum is going back to them instead of uh, getting a small chunk of change the way that they have been. And Puff made good business deal, at least on this point. And this will at least lend a helping hand to the future for all the other musical talent that's constantly being uh, made every day. They actually will sign with Bad Boy and maybe they'll become the next big star. Maybe. Who knows? But I'm glad Puff is doing this. I'm glad Puff is giving people back their uh, publishing rights. And hopefully, as I said before, all the artists before can start making a pretty penny instead of making a small change. 
Now having everything I wanted to say out of the way, it's time for me to get you guys out of here. I hope you guys had a great time listening to this. I want to say thank you to the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbeam, Audible, Spotify, all the other podcast sites which I'm on because without them, I wouldn't be able to get this podcast out to you guys, the listeners, the downloaders. I appreciate you guys because without you guys listening, I'll just be one guy talking into a microphone into a black empty void so i thank you whether you whether you're downloading it in america in the states uh in the international markets anywhere i appreciate you because i see it and i do want to let you guys know you guys are appreciated and that i do love you so always remember i love you i love you i love time I say this, this is not a gimmick. This is truly how I feel. I appreciate and I love every single one of you. I truly do mean that. I hope you guys have a great Sunday. If you guys are not listening to my Saturday episode, if you guys are wrestling people, uh, I talk about wrestling highlights of the week that happened this past week. And I also give a PSA to the AEW fans at the beginning of the episode to talk about quitting the divisiveness. The tribalism is stupid. All wrestlers are making money at the moment. It's booming in the wrestling market. So quit being that way. Um, anyway, if you didn't listen to the midweek breakdown, I talk about that, as I said at the beginning of the show. Um, yeah, again, I hope everybody just has a great time. Enjoy yourself. I hope you guys have a great week. And this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. This has been my two cents podcast hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. I thank you. And I'll speak to you guys whenever you hear from me again. So with that, Kanye, could you please? Take these people home. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.